Hello, and welcome to the Brunch with BBB podcast, featuring your hosts, Louise Belize and Katherine Honeycutt of BBB Serving Eastern North Carolina. This is Katherine. Hey, this is Louise. And we are the Brunch with BBB podcast. We want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, we do have a special guest with us today, so we're going to get to that shortly. Yes. But I did want to um, let you guys know about the scam of the week. As we promised, um, this week's scam of the week is actually employment scams. Um, so they were ranked number one in 2019. It's actually the second year in a row they were the top scam. And so it's super important that you're aware of that especially with coronavirus, um, a lot of businesses having to be shut down and um, causing people to look for employment opportunities. So just be sure that you know um, when you're applying to a job and it, it might look fishy, be sure to research it and look it up first. You can also visit bbb.org slash scam tracker for more information about scams going on in your area so that you can start with trust and ensure that you're making safe decisions. Um, so that's your scam of the week. Uh, we won't waste any more uh-huh. time. Um, we want to get to our special guest today. Uh, today we have Stephanie Phillips with us. She is the owner of the Mindsley Group. And so you're going to learn about that today. But um, she's here to help us learn about navigating this new norm of social distancing. Mm-hmm. So we're working mm-hmm. from home. We're sheltering in place. Um, but, but that can take a toll on kind of your mental state and, you know, your relationships that you have. And so she's here to kind of help us navigate that, provide some tips for how You can successfully work from home, um, you know, and not sacrifice your mental health and um, your relationships that you have. So welcome, Stephanie. We're so excited to have you. Yes. Good morning. Welcome, Stephanie. Awesome. Good morning. So, Stephanie, like uh, like we said, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. Um, So tell us a little bit um, on how this coronavirus has impacted um, our mental health. Wow. So there's so many ways to look at that. You know, obviously there's a global impact. You know, everybody has been looking at this from it being an inconvenience to how it's going to affect me personally. You know, everything from exposure to my financial concerns and not being able to, you know, talk to extended family or friends. Um, Those have all been part of everybody's narrative and not just specific to mental health, Mm -hmm. specific to counseling. There have been some people that have had difficulty in accepting the shift and how we meet and how, you know, we go about doing what we need to do with um, online counseling, especially people have been really reticent to, to meet online. They felt like, you know, being in a room with a counselor was a very protected thing and they wanted to make sure that, that continued to happen so that they can be grounded in the comfort of whatever therapy that they needed. And as, as opposed to kind of having this disconnect where you're looking at somebody on a, a monitor. Mm-hmm. So there's been some, mm-hmm. some resistance to kind of adapting and some irritation from some of the clients. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Stephanie, can, can you tell us a little bit about, I know I mentioned that you own the Mindly group, but um, kind of what is your role there? Kind of what is your business? Um, 
and, and how maybe you've even had to pivot, you know, in light of some of these trends that you're seeing? Sure. My official title is a licensed clinical mental health counselor. I'm also a nationally certified counselor and a certified clinical trauma professional. Lots of acronyms there. Um, <laughs> I've been practicing counseling for about 17 years in a variety of roles. I've provided direct counseling, which you might consider normal counseling. I've also supervised others and managed agencies that provided those services. Um, I currently own a mental health counseling practice, which we would call outpatient therapy. You come to my office. Um, we have locations in Raleigh and Cary, and obviously more recently online. We've been around since 2013, and we have currently 15 therapists and two interns that are providing services. Mm -hmm. So fortunate, for us, in 2019, we created telehealth as part of our platform. This was something new to do, you know, as you grow and build your business. And I felt like this would be an opportunity to have some more flexibility for our clients to participate in counseling when there were barriers. Um, this could include like uh, a parent of a sick child. If you had car trouble, if you had like mm -hmm. the teenagers that I see that are either going or returning to college and they don't live locally and can't drive to my office. Um, you know, and periodically you'd get somebody that would have some more serious mental health concerns and they were unable to leave their house or there were there were more significant barriers that way. And we could provide telehealth to them and be able to reach out to them. So that's been really helpful in how to move forward in this. Um, some of the ways that we've had to pivot pretty quickly has been with documentation. So. Most of us rely on going to the printer and picking up something really quick. And right. so this, and, and we also have assessments. So we give individuals assessments each time they come in to kind of see where they are and navigate how their course of treatment is going, you know, objective mm -hmm. ways to look at it. This is actually getting better for you. And those were all handwritten. So I had to last couple of weeks really oh, wow. improve my online skills to create documents. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, send them out to clients and get them to return them. And, you know, kind of like it's a little extra step, a little bit more of a complicated uh, way to do things. I've actually been texting some of the more tech savvy teenagers I work with so that they can draw on the form and send it back to me. So that's, mm -hmm. that's been the way that we've had to pivot. Um, fortunately, um, other businesses have had to actually bring online their platforms. And so that's been a lot more difficult for them to kind of get it all done. Mm -hmm. That's awesome, Stephanie. First of all, thank you for making yourself flexible and continuing mm -hmm. to help our community and your patients. I think that's amazing. And with that being said, in your extended background, you know, what are some tips that you can give us for staying or becoming mentally healthy during this, you know, crisis? Well, I guess, you know, initially, um, we can talk about specific things, um, for example, scheduling. But I guess in the beginning, the most important thing for people to do is to begin to work on acceptance. Um, we, we all want things to be different. Every one of us in the entire world is impacted by this. It's not because your situation is different than my situation that it doesn't somehow impact us. So it's really difficult when we focus on things outside of our control um, that this is where it becomes not really helpful for our, to maintain our mental health. Um, 
So instead, we need to really focus on what we can control. Like we can control our physical safety by practicing social distancing and, and only engaging in activities, you know, outside of your home that are necessary, like grocery shopping and avoiding that desire to manage your boredom, like shopping in public. Right? <laughs> um, and then, you know, to reiterate that we are all in this together. No one is eliminated. Um, and we can often distance ourselves um, in our management of something like this when we say things like it doesn't affect me or that won't happen to me. Mm -hmm. And currently, this is such an unknown. Um, if we begin to accept that we are all in the struggle and can develop a sense of community and allow us to work together in support mm -hmm. versus blame, I feel like that will be a really big part of staying mentally healthy and not really uh, developing this um, isolation or this irritation associated with it. Preach, Stephanie. I love that. I love that. I think that's so powerful. And you know, uh, my wife and I just had a newborn and she's also working from home and now I'm working from home. You know, how can I tell if my mental health is being affected <laughs> if I'm stuck in these four walls? <laughs> that is such a good point. Cause you know, you have a twofold one there, right? Cause you can definitely feel like you're, um, and congratulations by the way, um, your, your mental health can be affected by having that newborn and, <clears throat> and really having to be isolated in your home. And we all know, those of us that have been parents, that that's a fight in its own to kind of stay sane. Um, but um, but in the in the current situation, I feel like you know if you begin to find yourself getting irritated over something, you know, or having a reaction that's just really more than you would typically expect, um, or feeling more tired at the end of your workday, you know, being online takes a lot more struggle, a lot more effort, mm -hmm. and sometimes we don't realize the, the, the toll that can take on us. Um, if you're beginning to like right. avoid doing something like a task based on any negative feeling about how long it's going to take or how difficult it's going to take can be a sign of your, your mental health being impacted. Or if you're distancing yourself from your family or loved ones emotionally, like, you know, and even isolating yourself physically, like really kind of holding up in your room or by yourself. Mm -hmm. Those are some, some classic signs that you're, potentially getting burnt out or that you're potentially becoming impacted from something that that's going on. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, Stephanie, I'd love to talk a little bit now about, um, you know, we're working from home. We're having to manage our lives here from home. So um, what, what's different though? Like now that we're working from home, what in your experience and some of the conversations that you've had with some of your clients, like what, why does it feel so hard for us to be at home now? And, um, you know, you'd think we'd think it was like a vacation, but it seems even harder than before. So what, what's different? Well, you know, there are so many things that are different and some are pretty obvious, um, logistically, um, but some things are still the same. And I think it's really important to notice what is the same because that's very grounding to us. That that can be a part of our positive mental health is just kind of and being helpful is to notice what is still the same. Um, mm -hmm. It can you know, this can help with uh, that that mm -hmm. acceptance that I was mentioning earlier and kind of identifying what the new, the new normal is. Um, mm -hmm. One of the really quick and easy way I, I teach my clients to to manage in a situation that's uncomfortable or different 
is to take time and use all five of your senses to embrace what is the same in a situation to allow you to stay present focused and to kind of hmm. adapt versus becoming angry. For example, like right, one of the right. things you can do right now is notice that it's spring outside, right? I mean, that's a beautiful time of year. And most of us embrace that. But I bet most of us have said, this is all I'm seeing outside my window right now. And so, you know, noticing what you hear. Like I opened my windows the other day and I could not, there was a cacophony of birds out there. And I was, I was like, I decide, you know, what were they? And I was listening to bird calls. So just really kind of embracing your five senses, you know, go outside, feel the warmth of the sun on your skin, um, you know, Think about what you have for dinner and take some time to notice things like the flavors or the aroma of cooking. Um, mm. Notice your pet. If you have a pet in your home, you know, take some time to pet them and recognize this is something that's, that's <laughs> the same, that's not changed for you. All of those things will be present no matter what's going on. Um, so that to me is some is a way for us to really kind of manage how things are different is by focusing a little bit more on what's the same kind of ironic, but, uh, but I find it really helpful for people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, amidst all the things that are different, you know, we don't have a commute now, um, which can be good and bad. Uh, you know, we don't necessarily, some of us may not have a designated office, um, in our homes. So what are some tips that you have for, working from home, you know, that could maybe help with productivity or just, just managing that sense of, okay, now I have to do everything I was doing in my office with my coworkers. Now I'm in my home, maybe at my kitchen desk or my kitchen table, or um, some people may be on their couch. Like what, what are some tips you have for navigating that? Sure. So the first thing I would encourage people to do to plan for this is to create a schedule. I know most of us are really resistant to scheduling um, but think about what life is scheduled like. You know, we go to work from a certain time and we end at a certain time. Kids go to school the same way. So actually, we we thrive really well with scheduling, even though we might want to resist it. So the more you can make the new normal look like your typical, the easier it's going to be for you to maintain and reduce that anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, another thing you can do is get dressed. <laughs> it's easy to begin your work in your pajamas or your sweats, but putting on something as simple as business casual will help you with transitions between your work environment and your home environment. It'll make it seem like you're working. And then when you transition, it'll be able to see like you're actually finished working for the day. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, and, and allow for those transitions between your work and home. As you mentioned, you know, we all commuted to work. For, most of us did. Um, and it was actually a great time for us to kind of start and end our day um, perhaps you listen to something on the radio, perhaps you were yelling and screaming, who knows what you were doing, but it was part of how you worked on getting to work and from work. And we need to allow for this time in our current schedule and not just roll out of bed and start our work day or immediately transition from working back to taking care of our family. That little break that you can take can, can really help you define how you want to be in front of the next thing that you're going to do as opposed to carrying it with you. Um, you can also plan for breaks and lunchtime. You know, we typically spend about three to four hours of our workday in non-work type activities. And don't be alarmed, you know, because 
your work planned for this. You know, we're all human and our employers know that we have tasks to complete and they value our ability to do this while maintaining um, what's important to us as human beings, which is being social. So, you know, this includes your lunch hour and chatting with coworkers through the day, take bathroom breaks. And those times, you know, we quickly checked our social media or shopped on Amazon. Those are all part of what you did during the day. So I'd encourage people to kind of take a little time and just kind of put that back in there a little bit to kind of help normalize this experience as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, get up and walk around. You know, we often count our steps in life. You know, we all have Fitbits or, you know, watches. And, you know, it's easier mm-hmm. when we are in an environment where getting to and from something takes more steps. You know, when we're working from home, it's easier to sit in one place mm-hmm. and not move. You know? <laughs> and, and, you know, this unfortunately right, can right. lead to physical symptoms, you know, back pain and shoulder and neck pain that, that it can over time lead to depressive type feelings. You know, depression often mm-hmm. can be the result of something physically mm-hmm. painful that appears to have no end and the struggle to manage this can become too much. So, Getting up and walking around can actually be really mentally healthy for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. A lot to think about. Mm-hmm. A lot of, um, you know, guilt now. I'm thinking, oh, I should probably get up while you're saying that. Maybe walk around my living room. Well, true. And working um, smart is important, too. You know, I said, mm-hmm. your, your job kind right. of expects you to be productive, but it allows for that flexibility and... Um, you know, make sure that you start your day with a plan, prioritize those things within the the limits of work and then stop when it's time. Boundaries are important. I've been working with people who felt like, gosh, you know, I'm home. I need to prove I'm working. So I'm going to really, really work hard. And that's really not helpful because you're going to burn out really quickly. So Mm -hmm. setting that start and stop time by prioritizing your work, you know, it'll be there tomorrow, you know, and this allows us to reflect and relax our brains because your brains actually work passively when you're not really using them. And you need that downtime for your brain to actually kind of come up with alternate solutions and ways to think about things that when you're overworked, you may, may not see. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you had a great point. A lot of times we can feel I'm at home. I've got to prove that I'm working. I've got to mark off all these things on my list. And, and we may end up exceeding our, you know, typical eight hour day. Maybe we're working even longer. We're working during that commute time we used to have. Um, so what, what ways can we, you know, prove to our employer or our boss or our coworkers that, you know, we're still working hard from home without overworking ourselves? Do you have any tips for that? Well, you know, most of the time it's going to be just simply taking your tasks and breaking them down. You know, what could you typically do? Most of us know by looking at our average work week, how much we're going to be able to accomplish. You know, if we have a task, we can say this will take me two or three hours or this will take me two or three weeks and really kind of working within that uh, boundary in order to complete that task and not really overdoing it. So something that would take you a week would take you like four hours of concentrated effort. Because I think sometimes we forget that we need that downtime to kind of come up with creative ways. I don't know about you, but when I write things down, I actually revise it several times over the course of a week before it's finalized. I need that time Mm -hmm. to kind of go, what the heck was I thinking? Right. And kind of to process it, um, Mm -hmm. to to allowing yourself Mm -hmm. to do that and really 
check off stuff during the day. Like I'm going to spend two hours doing this and whatever that means is what I get accomplished as opposed to I'm going to finish this task can be really helpful. And then just keep a a record of kind of the things that you're touching every day, that the things that you're kind of keeping mindful of so that your employer can feel like you are um, doing that. I don't, I don't feel like most employers are going to micromanage us and make us clock in. I Mm -hmm. think that they just want to identify that we have a handle on what's necessary and and that we're taking Mm -hmm. control of that. You know, it's definitely a new normal having conversations with people about your progress is going to be a little bit more, the forefront of how we communicate now as opposed to when you ran into somebody, you kind of shared that with them in the office. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Stephanie, earlier you mentioned throughout our day, um, you know, being sure to build in that time for, you know, we used to have conversations with our coworkers throughout the day and, and now that's a little bit harder. We can't just, you know, walk to the, desk next to us or, or, you know, walk across the room, we've got to call them or set up a mm-hmm. FaceTime. Um, so I'm curious, what are your thoughts on like how we can manage our relationships during this time, whether it be with coworkers or um, even our friends that maybe we're not able to see on a regular basis anymore. And then especially our families. So we may have kids running around. We may have, um, you know, a spouse that's also working in the house. And so how can we continue to manage those relationships so that, you know, they aren't sacrificed during this time, but we're still, you know, working efficiently. We're still, you know, mentally healthy. What are some thoughts and tips you have there? It's very important to maintain those relationships. Like you mentioned, Um, we are such social creatures and when we can't be social, we tend to get uncomfortable. And that, that goes for introverts and extroverts as well. That's not meaning that anybody's less social. It just means and how you gravitate towards people or how you drain your battery being around people. But have regular conversations with your coworkers. You know, texting is an option and phones are good too, but I would encourage people to start FaceTiming, video chatting, whatever that looks like periodically during the week to touch base. You know, I, I have learned this. My son is currently teaching in Spain. And he's been there almost a year and we actually were supposed to leave tomorrow to go visit him. So obviously that's not happening. Um, But in the beginning, I was just texting him and I'm recently I've just started video, you know, FaceTiming, whatever with him because I want to see him. You forget what that's like when you can't see somebody, how disconnected that and how distracted you can be when you're FaceTiming. They're focusing on you. So you have this much more, uh, being present and an ability to focus on that person. So I would encourage you to do that throughout the week. Um, you know, ask them how they're doing, but also ask them things, you know, that that aren't about this particular coronavirus. Ask them about, you know, ask them to show you a picture of something. Like maybe they have a new baby or maybe they have something, you know, that's that's been happening for them. You know, a lot of people have been very creative and they've been posting on social media, their art projects or their you know, home, they've been gardening, things like that, you know, share a funny meme or a video or, you know, even a link that you found interesting and talk about, you know, the plans that you're going to have for future travel. We're going to travel again, but, you know, talk about those kinds of things that you typically would talk about with somebody in the day. You know, you'll miss this if you don't attend to it while you're working from home or you're focused on when this crisis is going to end. And the same thing with family members, you know, just, 
do that with them, reach out to them because they're feeling the same way that you are, you know, very isolated from each other. Um, I actually created a, I have a group of females that um, own counseling businesses in the area. And last week I was texting them. I'm like, we need to zoom happy hour. And so Friday, we're going to get online at a certain time and we are just going to have our favorite beverage. And we were just going to talk about what life is like personally and professionally. We're going to just chat for a while. I think those kinds of things do a lot more to build um, a sense of community with us than it does to just kind of quickly text somebody and wait for their response. So those are generally the ways that I would encourage people to do that, to really prefer to do video right now or physical video kind of FaceTime things if they can. So good. So good, Stephanie. I love it. Now, you know, if I find myself having these mental breakdowns or even mental health issues, you know, what resources or services do you provide where I can come you know, and talk. Sure, sure. Well, I've been creating and several of our other clinicians have been creating blogs on our website about things to do, um, A, with your family during social distancing. I had a blog a couple of weeks ago with seven, over 70 things that you can do with your family during social distancing to kind of navigate what this is all about and to kind of keep people involved. Um, It's Mm -hmm. all, you know, I've also created one about how to manage your anxiety um, there are other, there's others on there, such as relationships, communication, and maintaining good mental health, using your phone for good mental health. We have a lot of different blogs like that, that you can reference on our website. Um, we also have therapists, all of our therapists, including our interns are seeing um, clients online. So we are able to talk about your current feelings or concerns about what's going on, um, or you know, those that have increased that were there, not benignly, but definitely present for you that have increased now that, you know, the circumstances environmentally have changed. So those are options for you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we, we help people solve and, you know, feel okay. more grounded. Um, you know, we, we help them with objective kind of feedback, you know, being really closed up, you can, it can feel a very subjective perspective to, how this situation is going and that could promote a lot of doom and gloom. So getting that objective person that's not in your family can really help you to process these things without fear of impacting your loved ones or your family. Amazing. Awesome. So Stephanie, I think this is all great. So can you tell us, you know, what are, um, the best ways to contact you, maybe through website or social media. You know, tell us a little bit sure. more where we so can So our website is www.themindlygroup.com. So that's T-H-E-M-I-N-D-L-Y-G-R-O-U-P.com. And you can also give us a call at 919-617-9656. We have people continuing to answer the phone and schedule appointments Monday through Friday and mm-hmm. all the opportunities to kind of work with you and get you any kind of help that you might need. Amazing. Thank you. Is there anything else that you would well, like to add? Well, other than stay definitely. safe and keep it up, I was very... Um, <laughs> 
I had a, an anecdote like this morning, I was telling my husband that they had this map that's been kind of going around about where they're seeing that people are mm-hmm. staying put and not moving around, that they're doing a really good job of kind of social distancing based on like, I guess they were using cell, cell phone tracking data and like you know, Raleigh huh. and the uh-huh. Eastern area of North Carolina was just nailing it. So it was like, we are doing what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. I was really encouraged by that and all our efforts. Yes. Oh, that's so encouraging. Um, well, Stephanie, thank you so much um, for our listeners. We ha- will have her website and contact information in the description. So be sure to check that out and see this awesome blogs. Um, but as for us, the BBB, um, Brunch with BBB podcast. You can learn more about us or um, look for other recordings coming up. Um, but for more information on BBB or our office, visit BBB.org um, and also follow us on social at BBB Eastern NC. Um, so thank you again so much for joining us today. And thank you so much, Stephanie, for all of your. Thank you. It was wisdom. a pleasure. Yes.